It should be obvious that we cannot solve a crisis with the same methods that got us into it in the first place. This is a last chance saloon. Because if we don't really take the decisions that are vital now, it's going to be almost impossible to catch up. We will end the moratorium on extracting our huge reserves of shale, which could get glass flowing as soon as six months. If unprecedented changes are not made and made soon, there will be irreversible damage to the planet. Zero carbon. East tall. Hello and welcome to Zero Carbonista Series 4 Fool's Gold. I'm Ian Collins and this is the UK's number one environment-based podcast. If it's green, it's in. On this week's episode, the issue of free, clean energy has been solved and why COP26 was an environmental catastrophe. Let's speak to our man wearing the Don't Believe a Word of It t-shirt. He is the green entrepreneur and environmentalist Dale Vincedale. Hello. Yeah, hello. I'm actually wearing a poncho because it's so f***ing cold, isn't it? It's absolutely. I mean, it is properly cold, isn't it? You know, when people go, it's a bit cold out there. It's like, well, it's not really. It's like seven, eight degrees. This is <laughs> yeah. cold. Minus this 10, is, right? We're Come in on. the minuses. Yeah. What do you Love reckon it, that's man. down to then? <laughs> <laughs> no idea. No idea. But, uh, you know, I've got a heat pump heating the place I'm living in, and it's been catastrophic for the uh, the ability of that to heat the place. Uh, indoor temperature, 13 degrees. I had to abandon ship. <laughs> wow. Does that compound your belief on heat pumps being a crock of shit? <laughs> I confirm, I think you mean, but yes. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of weird, isn't it? Because the people in the heat pump HQ, one might assume, had tested this stuff out in this way. Well, you know, I, th- I think they they know their stuff, but uh, you know, they're selling it on the basis of uh, an average temperature and, and all that kind of stuff. But we have to look at absolute peaks. And this week, we had warnings from the national grid that we would have blackouts because we didn't have enough electricity, yep. and they got two coal fired stations ready to fire up. And That's at the same right. time, I've got a heat pump, and its output is disastrously low for for heating the home I'm living in. And I'm reminded that. Heat pump efficiencies drop to one for one in cold weather. That means you put one unit in and get one back out, which means we quadruple the amount of electricity that a house needs in the winter wow. at sub-zero temperatures. And and so these, you know, at the moment we're short maybe of a few percent and we'll get blackouts. Can you imagine being short by four hundred percent? Darn right, yeah. And I mean, you kind of did sort of warn about this, didn't you, before? So, That's right. This is, um, this is fraught with the, the landmines in this kit are multifarious. And, and thankfully, we've got a government that can't do shit, right? So we won't have a national heat pump program. Uh, I think they're planning a few hundred thousand a year, so it'll take us maybe a hundred years to do the job or something. And we will have a new government in a couple of years' time. But that's the trajectory that they want to take us on, replace everything with heat pumps, and then need to build four times as much green electricity and make a massive grid yeah. upgrade at the same time bonkers and i forget the cost now but oh yes no i remember it 300 billion pound cost to do that 300 billion yeah exactly i I genuinely was asking you to confirm that when you said it's 300 that's insane isn't it um talking to the words four times renewable energy jobs growing four times faster than the rest of the UK market. Now, that's encouraging, and that was always going to be the direction of travel, right? Yeah, that's right. And uh, I'm reminded that a few years ago, I think it was under Cameron, the government stopped reporting on the growth of the green economy because it was good. It was embarrassingly good for them, and they stopped yeah. reporting on it. But, yeah, I mean, this is a great another stat that's coming out. Uh, green energy, the green economy, they're simply irrepressible. Not every story is quite so positive, though. But we've been in this territory before about animal cruelty, and this is about salmon farming. What's going on here? 
Oh, yeah, we put a video out yesterday. Our friends at the Express carried it uh, along with some other people. And it's a four-minute video, basically. It's an undercover expose of the salmon farming industry in Scotland. We sent the team out uh, over a period of about six months. They, they looked at maybe six or nine salmon farms, sent in underwater drones, overhead drones, that kind of stuff, and just found the most incredible uh, situation for the fish there. Yeah. Uh, 100,000 salmon jammed into tiny nets, uh, literally side by side. They've got no room to swim. In the bottom of the net, it's full of dead and dying salmon and feces and that kind of stuff. They're infested with lice. There are pictures of salmon, swip, not quite swimming, but in the water, with their heads half eaten away by these lice, which they can't escape from, and and all kinds of other abuse uh, that we can see the, the workers in the salmon farmers uh, you know, doing to the salmon. But How does the person that runs this not spot it and go, this is probably probably wrong. <laughs> well, I think I think it's all about economics. They cram them in the nets. They accept the mortality rate of 25%. So one in four of these salmon don't get big enough to be killed by the farmers. They just die and rot in the bottom of the nets. They accept that because the economics work for them. But they have to cram them in to make the economics work. It's a horribly abusive process. And it's systemically at the heart of all intensive animal farming. Cram them in, treat them badly to make it cheap. Yeah, and there is no consideration about cruelty, is there? That isn't a, the, if you asked one of the people that run one of these kind of outlets or enterprises, whatever you want to call it, that that question doesn't even resonate because it's not a factor. Not at all. And no consideration of the environment either. And what we also found was these farmers, so desperate to deal with the disease that's rampant from the overcrowding, are using formaldehyde, a deadly poison that's banned in all other parts of the food industry and affects the environment around the nets, the otters, the crabs and all the other wildlife. Horrible. Uh, here's a subject here, Dale. This comes under the title of you can all stick your collective windmills up your ass because <laughs> the headline is Breakthrough in Nuclear Fusion and problem solved for cheap and clean energy. It ties in with a question from Rachel, who says, is nuclear fusion the golden egg and the goose? I saw these headlines. It said problem solved. It's clean. It's free. They've sussed it. What's not to like? Maybe it's more like Jack and the Beanstalk. I'm not sure. Uh, but maybe we should have a nuclear corner, right? Because fracking's running out of uh, fine yeah, yeah. for us now, isn't it? Solve that. Nuclear fusion corner, I should say. But look, I, I read the article and the headlines are incredible, aren't they? And and, and then they lead with like, this. there's a source of uh, clean, endless, baseload, low-carbon electricity, and we're like almost ready to make it. And then you read the detail. And, and in this massive 30-meter sphere, they managed, uh, they say, to get a net gain of energy for the first time. Uh, I think it was uh, like yes. two and a half megajoules in and uh, 2.1 megajoules out. No, the other Trying way around. for about 40 right. years or something, right? <laughs> for so long. And it turns out it's enough basically to boil a kettle. You could make a cup of tea with it, yeah. uh, which is great, but it's a 30-meter dome to boil a kettle. Uh, so there's some scaling issues there, and they can do it once a day, and the experts say they need to do it a hundred times a second. So there's a challenge there as well. Oh, and, but, but at the bottom of the article that I read in the Guardian, it says, Oh, but they didn't take into account the power they used to power the lasers, which was 20 times bigger than the two and a half megajoules that they say they got out. They didn't count that. This again is one of those things where you might've thought one person on the job had gone, do you know what lads, this probably isn't working. <laughs> but Joe Biden boiled a up. kettle, a lovely cup of tea. It was nobody's disputing the tea. It was announced as far as tea goes. It was one of our best, but you know, 40 years, one cup of tea. And we've got to get to net zero by 2050. Uh, you know, this, this tech 
ain't, ain't going to do it. But I think what bothers me the most is the incredible headlines and the big claims and then the small print that says, but we overlooked 20 times as much energy. Uh, why did you do that, guys? And how do you think that's not like relevant to the whole headline? Yeah. Talking about energy, what's going on in Germany? Fears of gas shortage over there. Well, not not quite as bad as they are here. The, the tanks are still 95% full. And the story here was that they failed to meet the 15% energy reduction target. But actually, they got to 13%, which I think is quite incredible. And yeah. before the cold snap, they were at 20%. Uh, but the cold snap kind of, uh, you know, wound that back a little bit to 13 You know, that was an interesting story compared to here, let's say, where we've had no government program for energy efficiency. We're not saving anything. We're facing blackouts as a result of that. And the, the German politician in charge of all this said, you can't bury your head in the sand and try to ignore the fact that governments need to advise citizens to, to use less energy because it'll come back and bite you. And I thought, yeah, why don't we have politicians like that? Yeah, I was about to say, I mean, that's the sort of thing that you might expect quite a lot of politicians to be saying on a regular basis, but they're just simply not. No, they won't do it because they're afraid of uh, being, uh, I don't know, being the nanny state is what the Tories are saying. I don't understand that at all. It's the state's job to protect people. And at, at the very least, by giving them information about what they need to do. And last week, when the National Grid said we may have blackouts, they also said, but carry on using power as normal. And I'm like, WTF? Why don't you, why don't you say to people, you know, kindly try and use less energy? We're, we're in danger of blackouts. Yeah, <laughs> I can't believe yeah. it. That's extraordinary, right? Um, lots of comment, by the way, about the salmon story that we mentioned a second ago. Many of of our, uh, our listeners to this, they'll be picking up on that story that appeared uh, in the Express this week. Yvette on Twitter says, thanks for your support on animal causes. I have another scandal I believe you should investigate. How do I contact you? Send me an email. <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't do this, but my email, you could guess it. It's my name, dale.vincentecotricity.co.uk. Or the zero carbonista at ecotricity.co.uk as well. Oh, yeah? Okay, there's two. Yeah, there's like the official email, which you completely forgot to mention. Don't. Just ignore the fact that so bad. they set up an email specifically for this purpose. Yeah. Okay, my bad. Let's move on. Uh, UN climate envoy linked to Brazilian deforestation. Um, oh. I, I, I see these stories and I always think, right, this is going to be one thing or the other. A little bit like you were saying about the fusion story. There's either going to be, there's either going to be bullshit or there's going to be something so horrific in this that it's worthy of a new Netflix show. Yeah. So this is Mark Carney, ex-governor of the Bank of England, now uh, some UN envoy, and also sitting on the boards of some massive infrastructure and investment funds. I think this one was in Canada, and they owned a whole chunk of uh, land that had been taken from the rainforest. It had been clear-filled and turned into agricultural land, and they decided to sell it. But the story here was that Mark Carney's been going around the world saying that if you've got an asset that is uh, a problem, that it's a polluting problem like a coal mine or or something like this farm, then your job is not to just sell it to to reduce your your impact on the environment. You've got to fix it. And he's been saying that quite loudly. And then the uh, the company he sits on the board of did exactly what he said you shouldn't do. So it's just one of those big H stories. <laughs> I always thought Mark Carney was maybe one of the good guys. I don't know whether you can get to that high up the kind of economic chain and be a good guy, but uh, he's he's often talked about it. You know, the, the, well, put it this way: a lot of people on the right hate him, so that you oh. often oh, I'd like extrapolate him from that. that <laughs> he's, I think, it's because he wasn't very fond of Brexit. Oh, he was probably a bit honest about Brexit. Yeah, yeah. They, they don't like a lot of that. Yeah, and this is where you get Bob in our broth go, you don't know what you're talking about. And I'm thinking, hang on, 
He's the governor of the Bank of England. I think he <laughs> he probably does a bit, even yeah. if you disagree with him. I think he's and it's undeniable now, isn't it? We're seeing a series of uh, reports come out from some from even from government sources. I think the impact on GDP is now looking like four percent from Brexit. You know, which is a massive impact. Uh, you know, it can't be argued anymore. Here's a question from Barney on LinkedIn: Does the government wind U-turn mean I can install one of your Brit wind turbines at my farm in the Pennines? Well. That would be nice. A couple of things to say about that. One is they haven't done anything about it yet. What they've said is that they're going to look at it. They will hold a consultation, but that hasn't begun. Second thing else I'd say, talk to your planners because little windmills like our Britwind ones have still been possible. The issue with the Pennines is, of course, it's National Park, but uh, see what your council say because they aren't big windmills and uh, they can kind of wriggle through the cracks of government anti-wind policy. Uh, Here's a headline, Dale. Daily Mail in meltdown as it reveals that COP26, in Glasgow, of course, last year, cost taxpayers a quarter of a million pounds and it damaged the planet. So we've got to stop this cop lark because the Daily Mail has rumbled. You've got to laugh, haven't you? And also I I saw that... uh Government ministers, British government ministers, flew four million miles in the pursuit of uh, delivering this COP, which sounded incredible. Um, but basically, it was a quarter of a billion pounds. And uh, yeah, the Daily Mail, they're like, oh, my God, it costs a lot of money to try and uh, organize a conference to try and organize saving the world. And and they think it's not value for money. Meanwhile, we can spend billions on the war in Ukraine, uh, for example. We can throw away billions in uh, PPE scandals during the pandemic. We we spend all kinds of money on all kinds of bad things, don't we? Quarter of a billion pounds on a conference to try and save the world? Chicken feed. There is the argument, I suppose, the nearest we, – we touched on this on the radio, and a few, a few people did say, look, surely, yes, sometimes you do have to travel, but mm. there could be a greater onus and an emphasis on either – non-flight transportation or just you know zoom calling yeah. and, and that kind of thing yeah. that there, there should be a, a perhaps a bit more of a focus on that. definitely but that's not unreasonable it's not and i'm not defending the government here <laughs> yeah far from it i mean boris johnson took a private plane didn't he from from glasgow to london just to that's go to right, a private indeed. members dinner uh, you know yeah. uh, after just preaching to the world about about deeds and words having to match up i uh, don't say one thing and do another he then went and did exactly that he's such a funny man and, and <laughs> no doubt you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go on. <laughs> I, was, I was just about to say, a funny man is an interesting way to, to, to describe an arsehole, isn't it? <laughs> a funny man. Absolutely. And, you know, Zoom has definitely got a bigger role to play. Four million miles flying around the world to talk to delegates about coming to COP. I don't think that was necessary. And I don't know why it cost a quarter of a billion pounds to put on a conference either. Uh, but this is a government that don't really have a concept of value for money. But I'm still not with the Daily Mail here. I don't care if it costs a quarter of a billion pounds. It's a pretty important conference. Uh, here's one from Diana on Facebook. I've long wondered why Ecotricity isn't a B Corp if it's Britain's greenest energy company. Right, let's do a bit of explaining here. All right, here we go. What, what's a B Corp? Oh, starting with that. I'm not an expert on what it is, but it's uh, it's some kind of certification. It comes out of uh, America, and it's, uh, it's basically a company that comes in and, and checks you out environmentally and socially and all that kind of stuff and gives you a rating. And if you win, you, oh, I see. you get a B Corp rating. So... I guess the reason we're not part of it is that we were going for years before this came on our radar. We've already done all of the things they expect you to do as a company to get to B Corp status. So it kind of like was uh, it was behind us in, in that respect. Yeah. Also, the name kind of troubles me. You know, it's like um, well, it's like the B team, isn't it? It's like uh, yeah, I don't get that. Why did they call themselves the B team? 
Well, I, I, as soon as I saw it, I, I thought, well, I don't know what B core is, but I'm guessing there's an A core. Um, <laughs> exactly but apparently there isn't an A core. They just went for B core. So, you know, th- these are not people thinking outside the box. <laughs> so we're the A core, and that's why we don't have the B core. You were already the A core, so you didn't need the B core. Yeah. yeah. And I would imagine, I don't know this, but do they like charge handsomely for their services to be rated? You imagine right. Yeah, that, that yeah. tends to be the case, doesn't it? With so I'm not being cynical. Everyone's got to earn a crust. That's fantastic, but f- off. Simple as that. <laughs> um, <laughs> Terry on LinkedIn. Final one here, Dale. Fan of the podcast and former Stroud resident. What are your plans for the old tax office in the town? Could it be turned into eco flats? Tell us more, Dale. What's going on? Have you bought an office? Well, yeah, a few years ago, we we bought one across from our main building as we were running out of office space um, yep. and, and all that kind of stuff. And we spent some time drawing up plans to redevelop it and stuff. And then, of course, the pandemic happened and we come out the other side of that and uh, we actually need less office space because we're doing more work from home and stuff. Of course. So it is spare and we are thinking of doing exactly that with it, turning it into eco flats. That's the answer. Yeah. And what is that? I mean, what constitutes an eco? Well, <laughs> well, the, all the obvious stuff, you know, good windows, no drafts. But what's the greater detail on that? Uh, you know, I think it's about essentially being energy efficient, super levels of efficiency, good appliances, obviously LED lights and all that kind of stuff. Yep. Uh, a little bit of focus on materials as well, where they come from and stuff like that. We'd like to build low carbon and affordable, and we'll try and do the same at uh, Forest Green as well. When we do get to move, there's room there for about 90 low carbon affordable homes, and we'd like to do that at, across the road as well. Good work. Uh, Dale, we've got one more episode uh, before we break for your favourite time of year. So uh, <laughs> ne- next week we'll be recording the the last one of the year and then we're back at the beginning of January. But, you know, now isn't the time to deliver your Christmas message, but I know it's sort of a sought after as the King's Christmas message would be, but you, this is not your – you just want to get back in the saddle in the new year, don't you? Yeah, I reckon. I'm going to take some days off and then I'm going to hide from the, the event called Christmas, uh, which would be nice. Look, it's a time of – incredible overconsumption, incredible environment harm, and, and an, an incredible amount of social pressure as well. Maybe we should dive into more detail next week. Yeah, well, we'll use that as the kind of sort of the Harry and Meghan-like tease for the next episode. <laughs> yeah. Cannot wait. Have a great week, Dale. Yes, thank you, Ian. We'll speak to you then. That's it for this episode. Don't forget, of course, to follow this podcast from your podcast provider so that you get each new episode automatically. Leave a review there as well. Uh, As we mentioned before, email address zerocarbonista at ecotricity.co.uk and do follow Dale on social media, twitter.com slash dalevince, facebook.com slash dalevince, also on TikTok and Insta as well. Zero carbon east off.